All right. I don't know. Man. Ready to knock this shit out, motherfucker? Let's knock this shit out. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast where we talk about the best books in the X-Men line. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by my great co-host. It's Josh, and we are here, and we are finally going to put an end to this goddamn X of Lives shit and X of Deaths, and we're going to start the Destiny of X, right? That's where we're going next, Destiny of X. And I couldn't be happier about this, man. I I am so glad we're finally getting this episode out of the way. Uh, yes, I have a lot of opinions on those <sighs> last few books we're going to get to. But before that, what's up? Love X-Men. Let's we talk do. Moon Knight. Uh, how are you feeling Let's so far it. about Moon Knight? Uh, I don't know if I like this show or if I love this show. I don't know, man. Like, it, Interesting. It's like it, it's it's good. But at the same time, it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Like it, it's it's almost like too goofy sometimes for its own good. But, but I like it. I mean, I, I've watched every episode. I, I'm i there pretty much Wednesdays when it drops. So, but uh, yeah, I, I am really intrigued at where we're going. So episode four was the last one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, the last one reviewers got too. So like now no one knows what the last no two one knows. Yeah. I, that's the thing. I'm. That's where I'm at. Like how the fuck are we about to wrap this up in two episodes? And we still have a third personality. Yeah, that yeah, I know. We need to clear that up. But what have you been thinking? How do you feel about it? I really like it. I'm uh, <clears throat> uh I really like it. My throat. <laughs> I think I feel like they're making three movies in a show. So the first movie was in London, the first two episodes. The second movie is what's happening in Egypt, and then whatever's gonna happen in this third movie is the next two episodes. In this weird like limbo land or wherever they are yes um that is it's very similar to jeff lemire's moon Knight run that's what i heard yeah which is really cool um i was surprised how they did the reveal so fast like it wasn't a full episode of is he or is he not crazy it was just like no no he's not this is weird um i have a few theories i think they're currently in the afterlife which is why like the room looked like it was waving like in a boat yeah yeah, because I mean, he's yeah, I mean, he's under the water, really. Yeah, and it is literally like an afterlife cave and stuff like that. Yeah. This last two episodes, especially this last episode, gave me a lot of uh, the Mummy 1999. Oh my fucking god! This is just basically a shot for shot remake of the Mummy. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very mummy esque. Like it has been for a little bit, but this episode for sure is just straight up the Mummy. Yeah, and honestly, I'll give him credit that I feel like that was the scariest scene in any Marvel MCU property was that mummy just cutting open a dude. Dude, I legit like um, I legit turned to Lady Baltimore. I'm like, this is like this is some scary shit. Like, like, there's th- blood chunks being thrown on the floor and an undead monster. And like I was shocked when it came out of the shadows and pulled Layla in. And yeah, like yanked her back in. Yeah, like I was legit. Like, oh wow, okay, good. We're still leaning into the Marvel horror aspect of it, so that's good. 
It is. I was, I was surprised how far they went with it. Yeah. And uh, I like that they never seem to make Layla a damsel in distress. No she way. always gets herself out of situations. And they made a yeah. point of that this episode. Steven and Mark would be dead if it weren't for Layla. God damn it. Absolutely. Uh, how do you feel about Steven kissing Layla? Is that a betrayal? Oh, man. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm medically inclined to answer that question you know what i mean like i don't i didn't go through enough medical school to determine this dissociative identity disorder but yeah it's kind of a betrayal man it's a bit weird for sure i like that that uh mark punched him right away yeah and then threw him down the fucking hole. yeah it was good um oscar isaac man he's like, that physical comedy is so rare to see nowadays he's so, he's so good at it his yeah. like oscar isaac's ability to like without any words just babe to change between the characters and you know immediately yeah. just based on his facial expression who it's he is very good like that is incredible like i like the dramatic changes but the subtle ones are really cool like the episode uh, the third episode uh, yes. where he lays in the sand and looking yes. at the map and just changes oh that one like he deserves the emmy just for that scene alone it's very impressive or just Fuck becoming it. conscious sometimes immediately looking right? like a guy who's controlled and possessed like yeah so fucking good so fucking good i yeah i i don't know how we're gonna wrap this up i don't know if it will wrap up or just kind of like end up cliffhanging into like the movies or some shit i, I don't, don't know, know because apparently oscar isaac only signed for this show that's what that's what the rumor is i still I think yeah i i'm still leaning toward layla becomes moon knight in the mcu i feel like they will be a lot of butthurt guys and i think that's why they'll do it because you know disney does you know disney's so goddamn woke now yeah apparently just they're so woke that they're making enemies and out of one republican one oh my god what is happening in my home state dude what it makes me want to leave bro it makes me want to come 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 up here join me (laughs) it's uh it's weird very weird but um yeah yeah. This, Speaking of dumb things, uh, also, did you know about Doctor Strange getting banned in Saudi Arabia? What? No. Why? What's up? There's a gay character in the movie, so the movie's uh, banned. <clears throat> yeah, and that's just weird. fine. That's just okay. Let's just keep giving Saudi Arabia money. Never mind. We're just. I'm just gonna keep getting political if we keep going down. Yeah, this, this is very true. Also, speaking of Doctor Strange, though, we are seeing more and more stuff that's like people are wondering, like, is this gonna be the introduction, the, the official introduction of mutants in the MCU? I, I think so. I'm really thinking this, man. Uh, um, I'm hearing Deadpool rumors. I'm hearing full-on explanations of the X-Men universe rumors. Because apparently mean, they, did a screen, they did a screening, like a private screening last night. So now like a few people are either leaking out or hinting at things right now. It comes out next week, right? I think in two weeks. Two weeks, okay. May 4th? So oh, next, next, next week. Next yeah, week, that's next, next week. week. So yeah, things are going to trickle out for sure, but I'm curious how they're going to handle Wanda because it looks like from what we can we know that Wanda's the villain. I think that's too easy. I think that's too simple. That's just what they're showing us for now. Yeah, I, I think it's too simple of an explanation. I really think it, it involves a lot of Wanda looking for her kids definitely, in, yeah. in some some other entity in classic Marvel way, some other entity, whether it's finally what's his fucking face Mephisto whether it's finally him whether it's Nightmare whether it's one of these other fucking characters is um that's the word I'm looking for um using Wanda like 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. making Wanda think her kids are somewhere or somebody's done something to her kids and taking advantage of her that way. But I was reminded recently back to the Wanda vision show. Um, we really laid the groundwork there for Wanda to be a mutant. Cause remember they like straight up said her powers kicked in when that bomb came crashing through her apartment. Yeah. And like, that's when her, like it wasn't when those people did the experiments on her and her brother, that's yeah, when her powers kicked her, in. Yeah. So like that, what is that? But a mutant, you know what I mean? And they never actually explained how her brother got his powers. Exactly. So uh, I, yes, I, I would not be surprised if this is the movie that gives us mutants. I definitely hope maybe they could fix the Ralph Boner thing with, with Evan uh, Peters. God. It'll be really yeah. nice if they say sorry and do something different with that. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, but it would be nice. Um, and speaking yeah. of MCU, did you enjoy the new Thor trailer? That's where I was going to go next. I go. have never been more hyped. I, if you would have told me before 2017 that Thor would be my favorite MCU character, <laughs> I would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I am so ridiculously excited for this movie you know me i never go to like opening day movies yeah i will 100 go see this on opening night uh taiko he 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 just gets it man he gets it man he the the it's it looks like it's going to be just another combination of fun but deep and heartfelt and like an actual moving story but also yeah. just goofy as fuck because it's thor of course it's goofy it's a goofy premise like and you you've probably noticed things straight out of the comic run that you're one thousand percent yeah which yeah, is yeah. great yeah they're yeah they're definitely pulling from that first story arc apparent a lot that jason aaron did and then the jane foster stuff obviously but and um did you do you think they're gonna have beta ray bill in this that would be fucking dope i don't know i don't know um I mean, there's definitely definitely room for multiple Thors because we are, you know, we see Jane. Yeah, I don't know if this Jane is supposed to be a variant or the real Jane Foster. Uh, yeah, we don't that we don't know either. Well, I appreciate this was a teaser, a real teaser. It was a teaser that's two minutes long. One hundred percent. One yeah, and I do, and we definitely we're getting finally other gods. Yeah, we see we're Zeus. Getting, we're getting we're getting Zeus, which means we're probably getting Hercules. Or at least hinting at him. Or at least hinting at it. Yeah. Do you know who's playing Zeus? No, I don't. Who's playing Zeus? It's um, not not Kurt Russell, uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah, right. no, I'm I'm super excited for. Yeah, it does. I mean, definitely uh, to see how it all connects and the goofy nature of Marvel. This, this seems like the goofy side of Marvel in a good way. Like you said, heartfelt in the best way possible. Yeah. And I just started uh, Our Flag Means Death, and it has oh my god, so TD written all over it. Like, it's so good. We're I, I haven't finished it, but yeah, it's such a good series. Anyway, guys, getting anyway. back to the X-Men. All right, let's talk about X-Men, I guess. Let's kick off with uh, Sword number 23. I believe so. X-Men yeah. Red number one by Al Ewing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this came out a couple weeks ago. We're a little late on covering it. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about it. And uh, I agree with all the good things I've heard. It's definitely my favorite book of this episode. 
of this batch that we're going to cover, yeah, hands down, this is my favorite one too. So <clears throat> one second, I want to get the artist name. Okay. So Al Ewing is the writer and we got Stefano Casalili or Casali as the artist. So yeah, I, right off the bat, like the art is good, but like, I don't know. It's not my favorite art of, of this X-Men run, but it's okay. It's pretty good. Um, I, so, no I like the art. I think it grew on me a little bit more than when it we'll when get it to started. art issues when we talk about Marauder. So Jesus like Christ. Anyway. Um, okay, so we open X-Men Red with Storm fighting the sh- the former queen of Arakro, it, it seems like, which is a shapeshifter who has taken on the the appearance and power of Storm. And the shapeshifter queen keeps telling Storm that you are not from Arako. You will not lead us. You are you are not in the prisons. You are not from here. You cannot be our leader. And eventually gets defeated and also like kills herself. It's like Storm is just freezing her. She's like, I'm not going to kill you. You need to yield. And since the shapeshifter has Storm's power too, she brings a lightning bolt down on herself. And that's that. And we cut back to the uh, the great ring of Arako. And they are all debating. They're about to take a vote whether or not to stay a peaceful planet, nation, whatever they are, um, or go to war and, and wage war back on Amenth and, and avenge themselves and fight the demons that enslave them in Amenth and, and go find Apocalypse and, and Genesis and all that, all that nonsense. Yes. Which do we technically know? That is what happens. What do you mean? Like, don't other books mention the future and how Apocalypse eventually comes back? And there are well, it's hard now because there are so many fractured timelines already in this goddamn true, series. Yeah. But yes, in one of Moira's lives, Apocalypse was there in the future. But I think that was one of the ones that got reset. Sure, so okay. we don't necessarily know. So after we we leave the Great Ring of Araco, we see Max, um, Eric, I mean Magneto, um, <laughs> coming down to his retirement home with a giant metal ball, and he meets a a, a man of Araco who he asks, "Is this your land?" And he's like, "No, all land is for everyone." What the fuck are you talking about owning land? He's <laughs> like, "If you want to oh, if you want to set up shop here, you can." But you got to make sure that you share it with everybody. So as he's having this conversation with who we learn later learned to be the Fisher King, a real Canadian over here, a real Canadian. Um, Magneto goes ahead and builds his giant metal palace, which middle, seems uncomfortable, right? Which they make a point several times in this. Be yeah. like, this is not a comfortable place to live. Like, mm-hmm. new, even the Fisher King is like. Mm. A couple pillows or something might go a long way in this place. <laughs> All metal seems like a bad choice. Get real furniture. We can make it for you. There is a funny line where Magneto's like, I'm the master of magmatism, not uh, carpets or something like yeah. that. <laughs> so after we see Magneto's retirement home, we jump to Port Prometheus and the Red Lagoon and, you know, pop in on Sunspot, Roberto, having a conversation with... um. Kobach never held 
very, very <laughs> lovely, very lovely Araco mutant. And they're bonding over the loss of their first loves and how basically both their first loves died saving them. There is a lot of callbacks to like early new mutants in mm, this book. Yes. I'm really excited about that. I have a point about that for later, but yes. Oh, good. Okay. And so as they're as they're commiserating, Vulcan decides he's mad at a Shi'ar diplomat and wants to fucking punch him and beat his ass up because he should still be the emperor of of the Shi'ar empire and like this okay, is I have not, a question about this. This is not the Vulcan that we last left in no. the series. And they reference that one issue of X-Men we read but we didn't know that he was banned from the Summers house for something he did with those two women. And we have no idea why now of all times now he's like, I'm the rightful King. Like yeah. his character's totally shifted now. It, uh, it, it felt a little off to me that he's completely so, shifted. Of all people we should know if there's something we missed where Vulcan got changed back to his original side or what it used to be. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to guess this will be explained as we go on. I'm, I'm, I hope so. We've read every fucking book and he hasn't yeah. been there. So so as he's causing a ruckus and we learned the Red Lagoon is apparently owned by Roberto because of course it is. Yeah, um, and so Roberto, by the way, just obsessed with bringing Disco back, just references Disco throughout this goddamn issue. And so he goes to face Vulcan. He's like, you know what, bitch? I got the power of the sun too. And Vulcan's like, oh, I don't have the power of the sun. I devour the sun and he steals Roberto's power. He takes Roberto's power from him to power himself up and starts beating the shit out of Roberto in this goddamn place. Which the Iraquans kind of look down on like a power thief. Like that's not. Yeah. They're like, oh, what a coward. And then at some point, somebody's like, isn't he your friend? Aren't you going to go help him to to, um, Kobach never held? And I like the of the Iraqo way. He's like, no, that would be rude. This is a one-on-one fight. I don't want to disrespect him. <laughs> well, they bring that back up with uh with Proudstar. Exactly. So John Proudstar, though, he doesn't he doesn't play by those rules. He hears he hears the summers being mentioned and uh still holds a grudge to when you know Cyclops fucking <laughs> le- left him for dead in on Krakoa back in Listen. giant size X-Men number one from this is very much like hey I hope you know your X-Men history because like oh. we're referencing all of it 100 percent so uh yeah John Proudstar beats the shit out of Vulcan by the way yep which is pretty awesome that they're like no no you may have forgotten but John Proudstar is strong as fuck. Yes. And so he beats him down when Abigail fucking brands. But don't go over the fact that everyone's mad at Proudstar now. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Fight. So like we said a minute ago, you're not supposed to like it's rude to interfere in this one on one fight. But that's what he did anyway. And so Abigail Brand and Cable come strolling in and uh <laughs> Cable and, and, and Proudstar have a, a very tense uh, moment where uh, the couple couple choice lines here. Yep. A couple um, of bleeped out lines. <laughs> so, yeah, a couple. So at one point, Cable says, you need to start watching your temper, Proudstar. It's gotten you killed once. Like, <laughs> dude, you're a bitch. Yeah. And so then. Like again, the Summers, his, this battle between him and the Summers family is not going to go away. No, 
And so, and then so Proudstar just basically, like you said, just starts fucking cursing him out and yelling at Cable for making his brother a soldier. Again, referencing New Mutants slash X-Force days. And so Cable says one of the best lines, one of the bitchiest lines I've ever seen old man Cable say in my life, which is, you weren't there, were you, John? Not for James, not for anyone. You had better things to do. You had a plane to catch. You fucking bitch. (laughs) You fucking bitch. Are you kidding me? What uh, a dick. Good shit. Good shit. What a dick. So Classy good shit. So Proudstar is about to whoop the shit out of old man Cable for that when, when Abigail steps between them, uh, puts an end to it. Cable slings Vulcan over his shoulder and they head out. Um, Proudstar and Roberto have a, a moment to themselves. And then we cut to a data page that goes over the voting. So here is what we're voting for. The vote was for the Iraqi to return to Amenth and face the demons alongside Genesis or to remain on the new planet Araco and build a new life. Can I give a, a, an opinion real quick before you continue? I would love for that. I, I, I think that. the data pages should have left with Hickman. I, I think Destiny I of X could have done that. They could have been like, all right, you know what? That's his style. Clearly he's not in charge anymore. And we'll get to that when we get to the other books. I think they shouldn't have left the data pages unless absolutely necessary or maybe kept it in the main X-Men book and that's it. I agree with you. And and also, I don't think anyone has done the data pages as well as Hickman has. No, definitely not. Because he was the master of using it to actually propel a story, but also build mystery. Yeah. Like they served a point and that point was to get you excited about where the story's going because it was always some kind of nugget of where we're going, but so much was like vague or, yeah. or like in a riddle or frankly redacted at some points. But yeah, everyone else uses it as, well, I'm not going to draw the page. I'll just tell you what happened. I'm just going to tell you what happens. Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting a little tired of it. Yeah. So the vote happens and the vote is for, sorry, the vote is for peace. And so they basically decide we're going to stick here. We're going to make, make our way on this new planet as they leave. Oh shit. What's her name? Her name escapes me. The unbeaten something. Yeah. Not Inca. Or, um, yeah. It's something like that. It's not, it's Ica. Ica. Yeah. If I could get this page to turn, I would see it. Oh, physical media. I know this is your back. This shit never happened when I had comicsology. Iska. <laughs> Iska okay. the unbeaten. So Iska is basically telling Storm, she's like, all right, you're a queen. You got to lead us into the shit. And Storm's like, why do you keep giving me shit? You're on the fucking council. Yeah. You could have voted. You could have voted to not even have this planet. You could have voted to have us go to war. And she's like, no, I'm too good to vote because I can only be on the winning side. If I vote, then naturally that's what's going to happen. And I don't want to have that kind of power. Like, God, you're such a like one. She's so like arrogant. But two, her mutant power is basically arrogance. Like she's not wrong. Like her mutant power is basically Domino's luck. But Mm -hmm. but like 10 times that like it's not luck. It literally is. She will win whatever side she's on. That's the side that wins. And so they have this little conversation and she basically leaves her and says to Storm, 
this is your planet. We're just the people who live here. And so Storm keeps having these flashbacks to the shapeshifter queen telling her, you're not from here. This isn't your place. You don't belong. She's having this doubt fill her mind. She's having all these people tell her she's queen. She's like, I'm not queen. I'm the regent. I am the the head of the council, but we are still a council. Like, you know, yeah. she's she's trying to have it both ways and she's not doing a fine job of it, both mentally or or out in the real world. That's when she's visited by our favorite rat. I mean, Abigail Brand. And um, she's like, hey, walk and talk with me, Storm. I want to propose something to you. And she basically proposes a, a Racco X-Men, a, as she calls them, cultural ambassadors, ones to help set the tone for how a Racco should be and set a, 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 a standard and, and something to aspire to. And Storm's like, mm, nah, I don't, that ain't for me. And she leaves to go to her palace. And it's in this moment that she, again, is having this back and forth with the doubt in her brain that is either A, really the uh, shapeshifter somehow speaking from the dead or just in, in Storm's head. But Storm has this moment. She quite literally lets her hair down, which one of the best pieces of art in this book. Yeah, no, I, I dig, that's what I said. I really dig the art. I think it's yeah, it, it, it did grow on me eventually. Like, I feel like in the first couple pages, I didn't, I didn't dig it, but eventually, like, yeah, I really, honestly, it's the. I think it's, yeah, it's it's really detailed, but then sometimes it's not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The more I think about it, I'm I'm wrong. I really, I really, <laughs> I do like the art. So anyway. Storm has this back and forth, and then she's like, no, no more fucking thrones on Arako. And she lightning bolts down the throne in her throne room, and she says, for there are greater things to be than a queen. Then we cut back to uh, Magneto's fucking cold-ass metal palace. Iron. (laughs) His his fucking Iron Kingdom. And he's having this conversation with the, the Fisher King about, you know, basically what what is what are your powers he asked him he's like oh i don't have any powers and magneto does a spit take and he's like wait basically. you're human he's like, get I out i know magneto is about to murder him and the guy's like no humans are from earth i was born on fucking a month like I, i'm not a human i just what a great concept right yeah i know yeah yeah and also exactly how abigail brand feels um how she feels but also it's such a great concept to have that kind of character be buddied up with magneto yeah i dig it i like it i like that he's i'm one like is this guy for real or is this some kind of like i think he's for real i think he's for real i think it's the kind of thing of like i'm the polar opposite of everything that's from my culture because i don't have powers i don't want to be aggressive unless i have to be and that's like he's just kind of a chill dude who's doing his thing He's just like, hey, man, I'll fight when I have to fight. But if I don't got to fight, why am I going to do that? Yeah. And his view of just like you said, like Abigail, like I'm not human. Why does that make me human? Like there was no racism out of all things that were from their land. Racism wasn't one of them. Yeah, we 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 tortured everyone equally. Yeah. (laughs) And so at this point, Roberto with his black eye comes strolling into this fucking 
place and he's a you could use a couple of cushions around here <laughs> yeah like the third person now to, to call that out and uh it's at this moment that magneto's like what what happened what happened to your eye <laughs> like he's you know like the fucking former headmaster that he is he has yeah. you know he's like my boy what happened to you and so they have this uh this cute little you know callback to when magneto was the leader of the new mutants or the teacher of the new mutants and Roberto's like, so I came here for a reason, Mags. Um, I think we need to form an X-Men. <laughs> and, and Magneto's like, an X-Men? Who will defend this place? And then Storm. Wait, comes. I'm going to cut you off before you get this end. Go ahead. Because something very important happened in that page you referenced. What's up? He says, Abigail's up to something. Oh, yeah, that, thank you. I did. So yeah. my point is, I'm noticing all the new mutants, all these kids that are not becoming adults are noticing what the adults are doing. Cypher was the one who knew something was up. Yep. In the new mutants book, all the older new mutants were a little bit wiser to stuff. Yep. Handle things better. And now out of all people, Sunspot, he even said, like, people think I'm not looking. I'm looking. Yeah. Abigail's up to something. Yeah. And, I, and I've, I've dug that from the get-go because it makes perfect sense that the children who were raised by these idiot first generation mutants yep. would be smarter. They would, they would be like, no, we've seen all the mistakes these fucking people have made and yeah. we've lived through it. And we've lived through it with the consequences that these boomers had done. So, <laughs> yeah. so we know what to do. And like, who like, and again, Roberto, one of the new mutants who was raised both by Xavier and Magneto. And then some of the new mutants went on to be raised by fucking cable. So of course they fucking know like what to be on the lookout for. Yeah. And so, yes, as he's like, we need, you're right. He, that's why he wants to form an X-Men because he wants to basically be there to stop Abigail. Cause he's pretty sure she's up to something. And then that's when storm with her goddamn flowing Mohawk and her new look comes strolling in saying, the X-Men can't exist in this place, but the Brotherhood can. Yep. And damn. I thought of you when I saw this picture. Dude, Storm, like, coming in with the lightning behind her, her 80s fucking punk getup, kind of kind of mohawk again, but not really, like, not the short mohawk, but you know what it's I mean? It's like, like a blend of who she was and who she is. Exactly. It's perfect. It is such a perfect amalgamation of that. Yeah. And that's where we end with the rise of the brotherhood again as the good guys against this abigail who we know is a rat so abigail so i i love this so abigail's gonna form the x-men because yep. she's gonna think that's her way of convincing everyone she's good but the good guys are gonna form the brotherhood yeah <laughs> so it's gonna be a little bit topsy-turvy there but i love it i'm so love excited it. five x's same five x's um the writer of this book consistently amazes me in different uh different stories you've given like he his run from the past like two three years on hulk everyone's been talking about that run yeah and i started i read the first like four trades and i really liked it he had a great run on green lantern that really developed the character of jessica cruz and her character and like what she's been doing after the jeff johns run was over 
Like cool. he's been really knocking out of the park with stuff. So I'm really yeah, happy I, he's been doing this. Yeah, Al Ewing. My only real experiences with Al Ewing are X-Men related because again, I don't keep up with current stuff. Um that is an X-Men. <laughs> but I remember he might I had to double check. I don't know. He might be the new writer for um for Spider-Man with uh John Romita Jr. I don't I don't think so. I think it's no? I think it might be Zeb Wells. Yes, my bad. Yeah, Zeb Wells. That's who yeah, it is. Yeah. Sorry. I do get them confused. Their styles are kind of similar. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, I will be, I will be, I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the new Spider-Man and see if that's a book I want to keep up on. All right. So next up we have Marauders number one by Steve Orlando. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um <laughs> I have mixed feelings about this book. I feel like this book has three books. Uh, sorry, it has two books in it. And one of those books I like. And I one I don't know. I can see that. And I think I agree. So this is um, t- technically this is like an issue two more than an issue one. Issue one was the annual how this team got together in the first place. And now that the team is a team, they're rescuing mutants. And this is where my first concern starts because they're rescuing a kind of nitro type mutant. He's consistently blowing up and I guess a, they call him Firestorm, which confused me because I'm like, wait a minute. No, wrong universe. But um, yeah, but like, I don't remember this mutant, but they no, very much, I don't know what, what they, run they're referencing. Yeah, I don't know either. So if you're listening to this podcast and you remember where this person's from, let us know. Yeah. So the Marauders come to rescue him, stop the military from trying to kill him. Uh, They kind of calm him down, and Bishop absorbs all of his power, so they have time to calm him down. But my first concern, what I'm looking at, is the art. When you get the first group shot on the second page, I'm like, that's some weird art. So, yeah, let's stretchy. Yeah, so the artist is Eleonora Carlini. Carlini, just to give just to give credit where credit is due. Yes, but then what concerns me is because I actually looked up the artist and it's one artist, but there's like three different styles in this book. Because when you turn the next page after that, like saving the fire guy, it's like chibi anime art with Kitty in the forest. But it's kind of chibi anime art in in that group shot too. If you, like. Look at the group shot and look at Bishop's face. That's like the stretchy, almost like stereotypical African art. Yeah, but look at Kitty and and Psylocke's face. That's kind of anime-esque. I guess. It just feels uneven compared to the next page. I agree with you. I do agree that it's uneven. The background is very lush and vibrant. And then like Kitty has like Sailor Moon cheeks. Yeah, I, I don't know if I like this anime style. It's, it's, I don't know. So, next page is Kitty going through the forest in Kokoa, and we meet the next member of the team, which, again, this I think is the story I like in this. In this. Um, we see a woman digging through Kokoa saying, if you dig deep enough, you get the organs, which is weird. It's disgusting. It's pretty damn gross. And it's revealed to be Cassandra Nova, the crazy secret sister of. Xavier, who killed many mutants and caused the end of Genosha and is a psychopath 
And immediately I like this idea because they did say they're bringing back everyone. Everyone's forgiven, including the, the psycho evil twin sister of Xavier, including the person who committed genocide the last time all the mutants had a fucking island home. I feel like she should have been bottom of the list. Yeah, we couldn't get fucking uh, goddamn Goblin Queen back, but but Cassandra we're going to throw back. It took how long to get John Proudstar back, but fucking Cassandra's been here this whole time? Come on. Which, thankfully, at first, Kitty has the same reaction, but she's like, I need to know about this fucking box that has my handwriting. And she's like, oh, it's about the first generation of, of mutants. And she has some kind of information about that. And she claims Jean fixed her. She made her feel all her emotions, and now she's okay. Now she's covered in the guts of Krakoa. Yeah, she said it's a disturbing line. If if it's here, um, it might not, it might not be right. It, it, later on, she basically says something along the lines of, "I can feel everything now." And like oh, that was with Gene, yeah. It's later with Gene. Yeah, okay, yeah, we'll get there then. So then we cut to Psylocke and Tempo, right? Yeah, I'm still remembering some of their names. Yes. Uh Tempo practicing in the danger room fighting hand ninjas, where I was like, Oh shit, she can do that. Tempo just touches one of the ninjas and hyper ages him to death. And I'm like, that seems like a pretty um yeah, tempo's pretty power. badass. Yeah. Tempo's pretty badass, it's pretty lethal power. Uh, while they're training, Jean goes to check on Cassandra and realizes nothing's really different about her. And nope. say the line that you uh, that she said, the creepy line she said. All right, so wait, I have to find it there real quick. Okay, she's like, perish the thought, Jean. I should thank you for the little injection of compassion. Now that I can realize the horror of what I've done, I may enjoy it more than when I felt nothing. <laughs> Like, oh my fucking God, you're a goddamn psychopath. Yeah. And that's when Jean's like, oh shit, this might be worse. Yeah. She's she, like, like, I'm not going to try and kill mutants anymore. I don't want to do that. Yeah. She's like, I'm not, I wouldn't hurt a mutant fly, but yeah. the humans, I will murder every goddamn one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, maybe we should, um, I don't know, put her in a cell or <laughs> like it's going to get bad. Uh- uh, maybe we should have her go hang out with uh, Sabretooth in the pit. Also, can we like make her stop pulling the guts of Krakoa? That's yeah. Where's like Cipher? Where, where's Doug to like like? Why isn't Krakoa being like Doug? Somebody's hurting me. Can you go take care of that? Uh, or, what's get... his name? Black Tom is supposed to be taking. Yeah, he should care be feeling this. all this. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so then we have Bishop and Aurora talking about joining the team. Uh, we have. Dakin still like mentally recovering from being tortured for a full issue. Jesus Christ, right? Has a he has a little bit of rage about it. It sounds like him and I keep forgetting his name. Oh shit, it was in the beginning. Is it Somnus? Somnus. Uh seems like they have a little fling going on. They have something going on. It seems like they had a thing going on in the past, too. Yeah, it was a little past tense, but you know, who knows? And then Kitty introduces the newest member of the team, and they're all like, "What?" Except Samus, who's like, "I don't, I don't know. I wasn't born in 2002. I was already dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Should I care who this is?" And yeah, I get the team's reaction. It's not good. And then Psylocke puts a beam through her head to see if she's telling the truth, 
And she gleefully says, yes, I am telling the truth. I'm here to help with this whole issue of finding out where this box came from and whatnot. And she's like, she's telling the truth, or at least she thinks she is. Yeah. And Kitty tells the team, listen, this box is going to lead us to the Shi'ar Empire. They have the first generation of mutants. They've been hiding it. Which I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is a different story? Like... And yes. So, yeah. Good. She's like, "All right, we're taking the Marauder ship into space because it can do that." Of course, it can. Sure. And now it's a space story. Sure. Sure. Like I, I don't know. This I feel is when the book starts to lose me a little bit because I was digging all the Cassandra Nova stuff. Well, you know me; I'm a sucker for Shiar. That is true. So, so I, I started getting a little intrigued by this. And then I started remembering back to, um, oh, fuck. What's the leader of the Star Jammers, Cyclops' dad? Yeah. Okay, him. Him. He, um, remember, he was, like, enslaved by the Shi'ar yes. for a long time. And, like, they were, like, that's where Vulcan comes from, is, like, the breeding pits. Yeah. Like, that the Shi'ar have. So, like is this somehow related to that? Like the first generation of mutants, is that somehow related to, to that shit? Maybe. Anyway, continue. So we cut to the Shi'ar Empire and they're informing her, like the mutants are coming here. And this mysterious woman tells uh, the guardian, the guardians to leave. And the queen's like, what do you, you can't tell my people when to leave. And she's like, uh, actually, I can. It's part of our history, which if anyone's going to know it, it's going to be Gladiator. He yeah. has all the history. And she's like, well, you don't outrule me. And it's like, uh, I kind of do. Yeah, it's a, a little, little bit. Iffy there. A little iffy and there. she takes off her cloak and it's revealed this giant, elaborate <laughs> red armor. And yeah. she is one of the original mutants, apparently. I don't. Was that it? I don't know. I, I, I think she's her own. I thought she was like her own race in the Shi'ar. I thought I thought it was implied that she's one of the original ones. Oh, I didn't get that. I got that she showed. I I got that she showed. Um. Um. God, I almost called her Lilandra. <laughs> um, the queen. That that truth that they have that the original mutants, the first gener- generation of mutants, are there. And basically enslaved. Okay, I wasn't sure because at the end of her little speech, um, she says, um, we shepherd history, a rank that far exceeds Super Guardian. We've always been here hiding in plain sight. I thought that was like, we're the original mutants. We've always been here hiding in plain sight. It could be. I, I got it. it was that the the noble of the kin crimson. Like I got like, remember like, well, you do remember because at the end of this book, Eric the Red, that's bait. I think that's kind of like part of that line. That's the vibe I got. So I was wondering yeah. if that was connected too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So she's like, hey, there's a big fucking reason that we can't let mutants come here and fuck with all of our ancient mutant history shit. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to show you this, this little spot that the audience can't see. <laughs> and she goes, oh shit, this is not good. All right. You have the order. Make sure the mutants never reach here. So there's like our big tease. And basically they're attacked by a bunch of ships. They get tangled in the web from Star Trek. Uh, yep. A whole bunch of 
and again, this is kind of where the book lost me. I don't know why, but like this all feels very anime. It is very anime. Oh, you know, and the thing I like anime. I actually love a lot of anime, but for some reason, this kind of feels like. Uh, did you watch any of Star Wars Visions? Yes. This feels like one of the Star Wars Visions that I'm not crazy about, but I don't yeah. hate. Yeah, I, I. You know what? That's a really good analogy. So, like, because they went from being on a ship on the ocean to now in spacesuits with laser guns fighting Shi'ar for an unknown reason. And on the word of Cassandra about... Nova, by the way. Huh? On the word of Cassandra Nova. Yes. They went into space to fight the Shi'ar on the word of Cassandra Nova. Like, those words you just said sound ridiculous. Yes. And the book basically ends with they're about to win and Eric the Red shows up and this giant armor and it's like what are we doing like i i don't know if i like this or not i like the beginning yeah um hmm. see i think i'm a little flipped like it's a it was a little jarring that all of a sudden we were having a laser space fight but I kind of like the mystery they're building with the Shi'ar and the uh, first generation of mutants. I like bringing back Eric the Red. I, I'm, I, you know, again, big Shi'ar nerd, so I'm, I'm digging that. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning more toward wanting to see what's going on with the Shi'ar and, like, this Cassandra Nova thing is slightly interesting to me. Like, what are we? What's, what's she gonna do to fuck everyone over? Mm. but I, yeah there's something about the the art and the pacing of the story is just it's three x's for me though like i think the plot is really good like i'm really intrigued by the plot kind of in the same way like fallen angels had like a decent plot for a little bit but like the yes that's the vibe that's the vibe i'm getting it a yeah. fallen angels vibe it's got it the execution isn't there yet and i and hopefully it will be Hopefully yes. it's just a, a little hiccup, but yeah, I don't know. Not a, not a stellar first issue. No, and I do think this is a step down from the annual. I actually enjoyed the annual pretty much, but this issue, like you said, we're at, me and you were kind of flipped. Like I actually find the Cassandra Nova stuff more interesting. Like I said, I think the plot is there. Mm-hmm. But like they crammed two issues into one. Yeah, to try and give you an impactful issue, but then you lose nuance and you lose pacing with that. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm definitely I'm not in anywhere near giving up on it yet, though. No, no, no. I'm definitely curious to see where it goes and where it finds its footing because it's still technically issue one. It is. It yeah. is. Well, we can definitely give it time to find its footing. Like, I like these characters. I like this kind of unique combination of characters. 100%. Yeah. And, you know, it's a book with Kitty Pride or Kate Pride. You know, I'm there. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have. Uh, X deaths number four. Take it away. Is that where we're at? X deaths. Yeah. yeah. X deaths number four. Uh, what's what's his dick is right in this book? Who's it? A Benjamin, Benjamin Percy. Percy. Yeah. All right. Let's fucking get rid of. Let's get yeah, this we're gonna, out of our guys. Let's, we're gonna speed through these last let's three tear issues. Through this. Okay. So in X deaths four. We learned that um, in some in some part of the future. Forge works with Logan to create a basically small Krakoa gate that's in a 
bean, basically. And a and bean shoves, on his shoves eye. it into his eye. Shoves it into pronouns, buddy. Shoves it into Wolverine's eye. And basically is like, this is your get out of jail free card. You know, this is this is how you're gonna like save us. And then as that happens, a bunch of sentinels come crashing down on them and basically murders Forge and Wolverine gets away. So we see that okay, so in some version of the future here, the sentinels are back and they're hunting mutants, and mutants are losing like they always do. Yeah. Then we cut even to the further future where why did her name just fly out of my head moira where where moira <laughs> you, has, forget it. you can't yeah, forget it all right i want to where moira has basically merged with the phalanx and is part machine part human and she's gone back to the future <laughs> yeah I, I, here's the thing I didn't even mean to make that reference. I just, that's literally what happened. She goes yeah. back to the future. Um, so she goes back to the preserve where Logan was the last mutant left because that's where he killed Moira so that it would reset the timeline. But he was still there somehow. And he basically learns from her that I saved you for, she tells her him i saved you for last i wanted you to know that you always lose she gives him all the the super villain story and then she kills him but before he can die as she's leaving he rips that thing out of his eye that forge put there forever ago that builds a a Kirkoan fucking gate that brings him back to our current timeline which is how we get the phalanx wolverine that we are dealing with now and then then we jump back to Phalanx Wolverine with the Wolverine family descending on that guy, the the other scientist who helped Moira make cyborgs. Yeah, Steve Jobs, yeah. Steve Jobs, thank you. They crash in. They say, where is she, pal? He's like, she's already gone. I don't know. She wouldn't tell me. Please don't hurt me. But they start roughing him up anyway. And Wolverine, and remember, this Wolverine... Though he's fighting the phalanx, he's coming from a world in which he has watched every one of his family members murdered. He has seen the Sentinels hunt down and kill all the mutants based on the technology that this guy and Moira helped create. Yes. And keep in mind, I want to say right now, this is not a terrible issue. It's because we know the repercussions makes us bad. I think this yeah. issue is actually pretty decent. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'm rushing through it because... It, the landing doesn't stick no not at all and so it's where what, yeah anyway so he basically is like tell me where she is or and i'll let you live and he puts a phalanx claw up the guy's nose and knocks him out when he realizes he wasn't lying to him and the rest of the wolverine clan is like i thought you said you weren't going to kill him he's like i didn't kill him but the knowledge he had will die with him because I can't let the Sentinel program come back. He's like, all right, well, that's pretty hardcore, but I makes mean, sense. I did like when he's like, I know how each one of you died. Like, yeah. it affected me that much. Yeah, and I will make sure that that doesn't happen. And then we cut back to Krakoa. Yep. Where Moira has reconnected with her old flame, Sean Cassidy. And in doing so, murders him. And makes a skin suit out of him. So fucking ridiculous. So that she can go through a Kirkoan gate. 
First Does it even all, work that way? The Krakoan gates are supposed to read your mutant gene, not your fucking skin. Okay, I don't know if you did. You, you know I love MacGruber. MacGruber. Yeah. Did you ever watch the show? No. In the show, a MacGruber plot is when he tried to sneak out, he wore the skin of one of the bad guys. So when he got out of the hatch, all the other henchmen would think he's their boss, and like they all look at him like he's crazy because he's wearing someone's skin. That's what this is. It <laughs> this is, is a MacGruber plot. Honestly, and it's like it, it's somehow both grotesque and hilarious all at the same time. Yes. That's why I didn't hate it, because it's still really funny because it's happened. Like so she sneaks onto Krakoa and she's going to the hatchery to basically end the fucking resurrection protocol and put an end to all this. But before she can, she goes to visit the arm. Oh, no, sorry. I, I mixed up. It's Destiny who is in the hatchery waiting for uh, Mystique to come back. Um, Moira goes to the armory to steal the take away your mutant power gun from Forge. Uh, Xavier can't be bothered to show up in person. So he astro projects there and says, Moira, what are you doing? Yeah, what's up? We can bro? help you. What like she's like you aren't there for me. I hate you. Blah. So she's weird. all out of. She's like angry at Xavier. Like he has the least to do with what's happened to her. Yeah, and and she's angry at him. I don't understand any of Moira's fucking motivation now. Motivation now. Thank you. Exactly. I don't understand a single fucking reason for what she's doing. Especially by the last page of this whole story, oh, I have God. no fucking clue why it happened the way it happens. For somebody who's lived as long as she has, she is basically just a bitter child. Yeah. She it's didn't get her way and now she's throwing a hissy fit. It's weird. And wants to kill, who wants to commit mass genocide. <laughs> wants to kill every mutant because she didn't get her way. Which again, kind of is what she was talking about doing anyway. So, in a way, she's either one, ex- she's crazy enough to be one extreme or the other, basically. Yeah. Right. So she gets the gun. Forge comes out to attack her. Uh, She uses the gun on Forge. She gets into a suit that Forge was making that's like, again, part of his Krakoa technology, some kind of mech suit that's like kind of like a dragonfly looking thing. It's so dumb. I feel like we saw it for five seconds in X-Force when we were still reading it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, it is dumb looking. She, it is dumb she, looking. She chases down Destiny with this suit and she runs to the gate because she's going to kill Destiny when who should come through the gate but Phalanx Wolverine and he attacks Moira and they fight and they fight. And but Moira shoots Phalanx Wolverine with the no mutant power gun. And so it takes away his healing factor, which means the Phalanx is taking over. But he kills Moira and then becomes the phalanx and we end there. So ignoring what we know is going to happen eventually. Three X's because some of it was still dumb. Yeah, I gave it two and a half. All right, fair. Because it was stupid, but like entertaining. I was still entertained. I was entertained and I still was kind of hopeful for an interesting ending to all of this. Exactly. I cannot wait to, <laughs> to get angry over this next issue. We are now, guys, at the end of both issues of X Lives and X Deaths. 
and we're gonna have opinions so please breeze through it my friends all right so which one we're doing x lives right now x lives yeah all right so x lives wolverine is going through all his different timelines to try to stop omega red who somehow thanks to macau Mikhail's fucking rasputin's ill-described power set in the cerebro very vague is somehow able to do all this shit a vague sword with vague powers equals a very sensical story and so wolverine is fighting omega red on several different timelines everyone's tired xavier can't take much more gene can't take much more um at some point we see young logan who back in northern canada when he met one of xavier's Back when wait, he wait, fought, wait, and also Omega Red is in control of Wolverine's body. Yes, and now Omega Red has decided just to somehow possess the current day Wolverine. Yes, because again, no idea how any of this is working. Don't worry about it. And so, all of this is happening. Wolverine is fighting. Uh, Xavier is fighting all through these timelines. Uh, somehow Omega Red is possessed the current day Wolverine when Wolverine is able to get back into his body from being drifted into all these other timelines which basically disconnects disconnects Omega Red from the <laughs> <You> server <got> <laughs> uh, and so Omega Red's like oh I got disconnected from the internet Someone picked up the phone and disconnected me from everything. Yeah, this is so for our younger listeners. Basically, he has dial up Internet and he was on (laughs) he was on like Netscape or whatever. And his mom picked up the phone and now his chat got fucking interrupted. Yeah. And and so Mikhail is like, you failed. You suck, bro. You suck. You're a failure. I should have never trusted you with this. You're a dumb, dumb. And And he's he's like, like, dude, this is a bit harsh. He's like, go fuck yourself. (laughs) He's like, fuck you. And you're never coming back to Russia. And now they're coming here to fight us all because you sucked at your job. I'll see you later. And he throws him out like quite literally into the cold with the sword. Gives him the sword. Says, this is useless to me now. Go take this. Okay, pause for me. Pause right here because I have so many goddamn questions. Okay, so Wolverine says when he took me over and I took control back, I saw where he is and he saw where I am. So yes. now we know where they are. Yes. So they didn't know where they were in the fucking first place? You have Cerebro where you can find any mutant. Yes, but I believe uh, Russia has some kind of technology that blocks um, them from seeing inside there. Okay, fine. Now you know where they are. What you still have to invade Russia, right? Yes. Then afterwards, he kicks him out of a portal out of a Doctor Strange movie portal, kicks him out, and then Wolverine's waiting. How'd you know he was gonna be there? I thought you were gonna try and find him in Russia. Well, I think I think he was saying I I know exactly where he is. Like, because he was inside Omega Red's head, he knew exactly in Russia where he was. Yes, but then after he gets kicked out of a portal, why is Wolverine there? Or even oh yeah, yeah, there? that makes yes, zero sense. And then also, it's revealed that Rasputin has a whole army of I don't know what. I don't know powerful men. Yeah, so continue. I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm not sure put out those frustrations. So, 
Wolverine, like you just said, Wolverine uh, teleports exactly where Omega Red is. Omega Red is there, and they're like, oh, shit, final showdown. Yeah, so, like, okay. <laughs> and so they run at each other, and they start fighting, and they're fighting. And, and I didn't read any of these squares because it doesn't deserve it. And they're fighting and they're fighting and Wolverine gets a sword through his neck. But then he Wolverine reaches his animatium claws into the chest of Omega Red and literally like cuts him in half and leaves him for kills him, takes the Cerebro sword um, is then pulled back to Krakoa, gives the Cerebro Sword to Sage. He wants to sit down and have a rest when Sage is like, uh, we have one more job for you. Uh, you are, and this is the only part in which these two books collide is here in which Wolverine, good thing you're back, Logan. Um, you, the Phalanx version of you is going hog wild over, uh, across the island you got to get over there and do something about it and and that's how it ends that's how the x lives of wolverine end. what a one negative one star fuck this book fuck this series all right what a waste of a series i gave it one x one and a half oh no half an x sorry i gave it half an x fine i give the whole series two x's for starting out good i this was a waste of time it was a waste of time even though it started out intriguing to me based on how bad it ended i'm taking away zero stars i don't even i might throw all these comics away i don't even want them in my collection uh chuck you're getting these comics when i sell you more books and also yeah this was a waste see i feel like the other story when we get to the end of that one I don't feel like it was a waste. It wasn't I don't like a waste. where it goes. I don't like it, but it wasn't a waste. It wasn't a waste. This was a waste of a story. This nothing changes and nothing's explained at the same nothing time. Nothing mattered. Not a goddamn part of this story mattered. No. And on top of that, you have this whole Rasputin story where he's like, well, now I know where they are and they're going to come get us. We have to go. Well, you also now know that Wolverine's not plugged in anymore. So go back and kill him now. Don't stop what you're doing. Stick with the plan. You literally know that Wolverine's not. What the fuck is the plan? Do you remember what the plan? I don't know what the plan is. Kill young Xavier so time changes. Yeah, whatever. It is what a waste of a fucking plot. All right, guys, we are slugging along to the final, the finale of all this Death of X, aka Moira X, number five, where I was very confused at the front. I'm assuming this is a hallucination. It's the first pages of House of X where Moira sees Charles again and tells him everything about the future. And so in this one, she's bleeding to death and says, fuck you, Charles, you traitor, you coward, as she fades away. And Charles kind of looks like, okay, then. But she's still in the battle armor. Now, full disclaimer, audience, when I started reading this issue a few days ago, somehow I 110% forgot the last issue and I was so confused. I'm like, why is she in a cocoon? What's happening in this story? <laughs> How did we get here? Why is other, other Wolverine all skeleton-like? Like, I was genuinely confused. 
stupidity it was actually erased from my mind so she's dying in this cocoon thinking about her many ex-lives and we cut back to the phalanx wolverine who's not in control anymore it's the phalanx he's gonna run to the core of the island and corrupt the entire island even though the island's already made out of phalanx i'm surprised he didn't just connect with the island wherever he is because then the yeah. whole thing already phalanx anyway more or less i don't know um then the We're rest of the about that. yeah the rest of the wolverine family yes. tries to fight him off but they don't want to kill him because he is wolverine but he's saying you have to kill me beast is like i got an idea i gotta cut the connection from everything from the core and sage is like i don't know but that sword's glowing i think i can use that i don't know what that means because i don't know what the sword does but it's gonna work it's gonna be a great MacGuffin later so the wolverine family is trying to kill him or trying to stop him at least they can't stop him he has to reach the core to infect everything this terrible future is gonna happen no matter what blah 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 then we get original wolverine who's like i'm not sure what's going on bub but i'm gonna fight you with honestly some really crap dialogue like very for a guy who's been writing wolverine for 20 issues some really bad dialogue is in this fucking book yeah like particularly standing out in this last issue like he gave up in this issue it it, it, uh, uh, yeah you and me both percy yeah, it's it's a little weird. I do want to say though, because we're about to shit all over this. Yes, the art is really good. I really well, do. Yeah, actually, yes, very good art. Um, then he shows off the watch that he got in the last issue of X Lives. Like it's important. It's not. It's not. Um, eventually, Sage rocks up with the sword, the of the um, Cerebro sword infecting the phalanx i guess i'm i do not get what happened here other than wolverine took a lightsaber to the phalanx and it dissolved the phalanx and then krakoa absorbed the rest of it yeah which again that's probably not great right probably not great but also what the fuck just happened no idea so now phalanx wolverine is gone Wolverine's talking about the dangers they could face in the future, and we see Sabretooth hanging as he references that. Yeah. So that's going to be something. But it's kind of like, you know what? We won the day. Everything's cool. We do... Probably the most interesting aspect of this whole issue is the one page of Beast referring to Wolverine as the necessary penicillin, and that he gets the job done, and sometimes violence gets the job done. Yeah. And we have another character telling Beast, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah, Sage, I, love, I, love, I love Beast. Oh, don't clutch your pearls and feign offense. Like, oh, Beast. Yeah, that was very like, oh, fuck off. I'll say what I want. And she also, just, like, when did Beast get scratched in the eye? I was wondering mm-hmm. that too. It might be an X-Force thing. Maybe. But like he was saying, like the only way to do this is by force. Force wins in the end. He's kind of going down that might makes right bullshit yeah and it says stabbing shit is what saves the world so like now beast is becoming more nihilistic almost like not nihilistic actually just more forceful more the ends justify the means yes which has never been good for beast to think i know we harped on this a lot last episode but like 
it's obviously a thing they're intentionally putting in these books now. It has yeah. to be. And one of the, I think, dumbest moments in this run is these last three pages. But one of those moments in like this X-Men era, like it truly makes no goddamn sense. It is the, I, I'm assuming, I'm sure it's written down somewhere, but it's been a few days, but the arm that she attached slowly advanced into becoming this armor. And now she's like an evil robot because she bursted out of her grave. She basically became what this looks like to me is a version of Omega Sentinel. Yes. But she calls herself now an intelligence. Which is remember her 11th life is going to be great. Yeah. Which remember when Hickman did that like hierarchy of like intelligence and nexus level and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's claiming she's at that intelligence level. Like I said before, the last story I think is stupid and pointless because nothing happens and nothing changes. This one's stupid because what did happen is important, but also fucking stupid. Yeah, that was a for a book that isn't the worst. It's basically just elements of Back to the Future, elements of Terminator with a story about Moira that I think started off pretty strong. Like the first two issues were pretty strong. But this this character change, this heel turn just feels so unnatural and basically comes out of nowhere. And now she's a robot enemy. She she went from the one of the best resurgence of a character to just a generic villain now. She is definitely a generic. Yeah, she definitely feels generic villain. But like, I think here's the thing. Two I, X, uh, one and a half X's, by the way. I'm going to give it two X's because though I'm not necessarily happy with how this book ends, I think there is a lot of potential going forward. Hopefully not with Benjamin Percy leading the way. But there's a lot of potential here for Moira being an intelligence, this Omega Sentinel level type thing. Like, where does this fall fall in with Nimrod? Where does this fall in with the current Omega Sentinel that's with Nimrod? You know, where where does this fall in with Orcus? Where does this fall in with when humanity gave itself up to the Foulings at the end of Powers of X or whatever it was? You know what I mean? Like, I think there's potential here. Sure. But, but it came from the dumbest heel turn but we, in comics. But I, I can't give it any more than two X's because of how we got there. Like it's it feels so forced and unnatural, and doing it with a character that's been all about spending multiple lives trying to save mutantdom. It's weird. Like again, that's something I don't like, but I can see other people liking it, and the story didn't matter. And that's why it gets any points. The other yeah. one didn't matter. It didn't have to be a thing. It could have been a storyline within the Wolverine book. It should have been a storyline within the Wolverine book. <laughs> and then I would never have to read. Yeah. So that's uh, the X whatevers of Wolverine. Yeah. There's the title of the episode. X whatevers of Wolverine. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. All right, guys. Next time we'll be talking about X-Men number 10, I believe. Uh, by then, I think Knights of X, I think X Men so. '92, where they yeah. go to Krakoa. I didn't read that yet. Yeah, me neither. 
and whatever else comes out around then. Yeah. Josh, well, where can they find you? You can go on Twitter. You can find me. At, well, for now, you can go on Twitter. For find now, at, you may go on Twitter. You are allowed. You're still a white man. You'll be safer uh, longer. I don't know if I'm going to stay there much longer, just out of. Well, anyway, uh, I'm <laughs> at Xbrarianist Librarian with an X. What about you, pal? Where can they find you? <laughs> Wait, first of all, how do you say pal? <laughs> how about you, pal? Where can they find you? <laughs> Javier Burdem said it better <laughs> than you said it just Powell. now. <laughs> Listen here, Paolo. <laughs> you can find me, Paolo, at um, Madman3005. You can also find me on YouTube. If you like Power Ranger stuff, you can find me on there at the Black Ranger Review. And go to KrakoaRadio.com for all the back issues of this and Good Morning Gotham. Hell yeah. Until next time, guys, we will see you avoiding all these Wolverine books next time.